Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. I'm your host, Kyle Pagan, and we've got a great show for you today. Charlie Hall, the drummer from War on Drugs and producer of both Eagles Christmas albums, is coming on at 1220. Uh, before we get into that, we have a lot to talk about on this Wednesday, so let's bring on Kevin Kincaid. What's up, buddy? What's good? How's everybody doing? How are we well, feeling? Yeah? Well, it's just me and you, so I guess... Uh, Asking if I'm doing, I'm doing okay. Thank you. Appreciate How's it. How's the chat doing? How's Ford doing? Ford, are you doing well? Good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good, man. It's a big day in Philly sports, man. We got um, got Sixers in the uh, in Celtics tonight, an early barometer. Yes, you know, Joel Embiid looks like- pretty bought in, I would say. Uh, I know there are some rumors about the Sixers uh, franchise demise. I think we helped fuel those rumors. And mm-hmm. then you go out and you see him score 48 and three quarters. He had 29 in the third, which was more points than anyone on the entire Wizards team. I'll tell you what, that Wizards team, I don't know how much you watched the game. That Wizards team sucks. They're, they play zero defense. It's Jordan <laughs> Poole. It's Kyle Kuzma just chucking up threes. It's honestly probably one of the most fun offenses to play for if you're not really looking for a ring in the NBA. It's perfect for Kyle Kuzma. It's perfect for Jordan Poole, who got paid in the uh, in the offseason. But they've won five in a row. They're beating zone defenses, which I feel like we haven't seen in like three years. And they've yeah. got a great uh, it's a good barometer game tonight, good measuring stick game tonight against the Celtics. Celtics minus two and a half. Yeah. yeah. And my question for you and for the chat is that if they lose, if they lose to the Celtics, to, uh, you know, are we right back into the, uh, you know, I hate the Sixers and I don't believe in this, t- this team and I'm keeping them in an arm. So I mean, does all the goodwill of the last five teams go away immediately if they lose this one? Well, my communications teacher at Temple always told me you'd never answer a question with, with a question, but I'm going to answer a question with a question. Right. Where are we at right now? Where's your arm's length? Are we like, are we T-Rexing it right now? Or are we like halfway? Are we full arm's length? Like where's Kevin Kincaid on the arm's length for the Sixers? Uh, like the elbow is at like uh, 20, 20 degrees or maybe 120 degrees here. No, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I, I mean, look, we said at the beginning that uh, regardless of the James Harden saga, um, which has since been resolved, that we were in, in tree, that the departure of Doc Rivers was enough of a, a, thing to get people at least you know a baseline um you know level of excitement here for a new season you know i wanted to see what nick nurse would do with a team that you know that won 50 50 games i mean look just because they have gone out in the second round every year for the last five or six years in a row now doesn't mean that they weren't a good regular season team so we're asking ourselves the same kind of questions that we're asking of the eagles like are we not trying to enjoy the ride you know i mean should we not be i'm not saying we got to be uh you know, as bought in as uh, investor Jeff Wool, right? I mean, we don't have we don't have to like um, you know build our entire um, you know November December around the Sixers, but yeah, I mean, we we should at least enjoy what we're watching in the meantime. I I, I don't know it's because I I feel like even that Milwaukee game at the beginning of the year, the season opener. I mean, that was a lot. That that was a, that was a moral victory, glass half full after that one. The way that they played and the way they came back in that one too. So. I don't know. I don't know. I, I I just hope that people aren't aren't riding the that roller coaster all year all year long. You know. I under I I agree with you. I hope they aren't riding the roller coaster. I do. I I am okay with people who are keeping them away, like who might not be watching. You yeah. know, uh, Wizards versus Sixers on a Monday. Like I don't blame you. I don't I don't blame people for not watching. You know, Hornets Sixers later in like January or February. Tonight though, if you're if you're a Sixers fans, even if you're not even bought in, I think you're watching tonight. 
I'm I mean, where it's different between enjoying the ride with the Eagles versus enjoying the ride with the Sixers is the Eagles have at least given us something back. They they made a Super Bowl appearance. Yeah. They're eight and one again for the second year in a row. They have the best shot right now at getting a number one seed and a buy in the playoffs. The Sixers have just continually continuously hurt us. You know, yeah. and I'm fully expecting to get hurt. I feel like I'm pretty bought in right now. I just really, really like this team. Like everything that like you had to check off the boxes, you've been able to check off so far. Okay, how's Nick Nurse gonna be? Oh my god, they're beating zone defense. Uh Tyrese Maxey feels like he's taking the lead. 25 and 7 assists he's averaging right now. Had 11 assists the other day, which was career high, had 10 assists the game before. I mean, he feels like he's becoming an all-star player right in front of our eyes. And then Joel Embiid, like I said, bought in. Like, that's all I needed to know was him just being bought in. I was worried that he was going to request a trade. I'm, I was uh, I was thinking this would be a gap year. There would be maybe another second-round exit, God forbid, a first-round exit. But it's like the only thing right now that I don't think they're doing well is I don't know if you've paid attention to the Sixers' social media on Twitter. <laughs> posting highlights with no sound right now. No sound. Yeah. What, what do we know? Why did we figure that out? It's it's got to be a trademark thing, which I don't understand. You can't talk to NBC Philly. You can't talk to you know someone else. I mean, you're a billion dollar organization. We can't you know iron out the details. I mean, then again, they still call it the center. That's they're their broadcast. It's their broadcast partner. I mean, they implicitly they have the rights to use their, they, their they own put up, highlights. They put up a tweet the other day. It was Patrick Beverly gets the Wells Fargo Center going. You click on the tweet. There's no sound to it. You can't literally hear Pat Beverly getting the center going. Like, it, it, this makes no sense. I know it's a weird thing to pick on, but like, uh, Craig, here, play the volume on this. Yeah, let's oh, hear it. Sorry, can't. There's no volume. <laughs> Wait, hang on a second. Hang on a second. That's what the clip. So these are That's, what the clips look like. They're just. Yeah, and, <laughs> and people on social media think their phones are broken. Like, oh, my phone's just glitching. Elon's doing something. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, unless there's some crazy contractual thing going on here that i'm not aware of you have the right to use your, <laughs> the uh, the audio portion of clips from your broad from your broadcast partner yeah that's yeah. very i mean could you imagine what, what nbc sports pays uh pays phillies like 200 million dollars a year could you imagine nbc sports being like yeah sorry the phillies don't want us to use the uh the broadcast they don't want to use, us to use the audio it just it's i don't strange. know i'll have to send it's, out some text messages about thank that. you have to make some calls yeah. to, maybe i can do it Maybe if there's a part portion of this show where you're kind of going on a lengthy rant or like doing a monologue or something, maybe I can squeeze in a text. You can wait, you, brother. You can wait till after the show. Okay? Well, I don't know. Like, I would like to get a live response on that. I'd like to do is like a Stephen A. Smith and be like, "Well, I just got a text from Magic Johnson." You know, there you go. Yeah, Michael Jordan texted me at five in the morning today and was talking about how you know so and so wasn't a better point guard than I am. Hey, listen. Here's the th here's the thing though. Here's a philosophical question for Ford. Ford will like this one. Do we need to worry about a barometer game right now? Uh, it's November 8th, right? I think we're happy with the way that Nick Nurse has them playing. Yeah. We like the movement. We like the two-man game. We like, don't tell Kyle Scott, but I like that they've brought the DHO back into the, the offense a little, <laughs> a little bit. We like the Maxi and Embiid too, man. We like that they're they're moving and they're attacking the middle of the floor against zone defense. Uh I, I can just be happy with that right now. I don't. I. I don't need. Do the Sixers need to prove something to me tonight? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think losing to the Celtics changes much of how I feel about how Nick Nurse has them has them playing. Are the positive things that I've seen 
so far. You know, I'm still curious as to how he's going to get this, um, you know, this rotation figured out because he's got a lot of pieces to go to. Yeah. Who's the fifth starter? You know, is Melton, Melton and Oubre going to still be in the mix? Are they going to try to work Marcus Marsh or somebody else in? I, there's enough to me that's that's curious and enough that's positive from uh, how they're playing the game, you know, results notwithstanding, that I'm intrigued and I, I like that and I'm going to continue with it. Yeah. I don't think I need to – I would like to see them beat the Celtics. Then I don't need them to beat the Celtics. Is that really going to change my mind on November 8th of, of what I've thought of them so far if they lose tonight? They just can't get blown out. That's all I'll say. Yeah. They can't get blown out. It's it's minus two and a half. I would actually scream that's kind of a Sixers line right there. I mean, if you, look at the, uh, if you look at the division winners right now, the Celtics are at minus 400 right now. Yeah. So you'd scream that's probably uh, that's a Sixers line you're screaming at. And I think they'll get up for this game. I really do. I think the Sixers are going to look at this themselves and be like, you know, if they take Joel Embiid and they take Tyrus Maxey's lead and stuff being like, hey, this is the Celtics. We hate the Celtics. They embarrassed us in game seven last year. Yeah. I could see them coming out. I could see another another really good game from uh, from Embiid and another good game from uh, from Tyrese Maxey. Are you surprised that the Flyers have gone downhill as quickly as they have, and that the Sixers went uphill as quickly as they? Have? I, I, th- I didn't think we were going to get to this kind of um, uh, I would call it what meshing of you know different you know the Flyers mm-hmm. are usually like this to start the season, then they go off the cliff, and then the Sixers kind of you know slow start out slow, and then they do well. But they, I think we have already reached on uh, November eighth here the automatic one one unit bet on the Flyers opponent of the night. I was looking at that line last night and I was like the uh you know the curb your enthusiasm Larry David meme where he's like really indecisive and he's kind of like mm-hmm. yeah yeah that was me because I was looking at like Flyers minus 194 and I'm like I don't know man they're playing on the West Coast they haven't been playing well lately I know the Sharks haven't won a damn game yet. You know but we're getting into territory of Pagan where you just automatically you know what whatever your unit is one dollar five dollar ten dollar hundred dollar you gotta throw a unit on the other on the team playing yeah i think we've course corrected because i had that thing where i was like hey you bet the first five games money line you're gonna win your money you're gonna come out in the green <laughs> i think now you're exactly right we got a course correct and i think yesterday i mean i i was following it on the espn app i was not staying up to watch flyers versus sharks at 10 30 but i saw two quick goals from the sharks and then a goal from the flyers like all right the flyers will get it together i wake up this morning the game ended 2-1 there was only goal scored in the first period it was insane I'm like this. I mean, no. anyone who who's, who stayed no. up for that game is an absolute masochist and a crazy Flyers fan. Maniac. Man. Um, this is it's what we did last fly- year. It's about finding the Flyers fulcrum is what it is, right? Because every year it's like November-ish, I, I think, where it's like, yeah, you're right, man. They have the four or five games in a row where they come out flying and they're like at the top. And then they they crash hard. So you just it's about like get, guessing in your mind when the uh, inevitable downfall is going to start. And that, that, happens, that happens even – Happened even before Chuck Fletcher, like the first Chuck Fletcher year, like in Hextall years, they they would do that too, where it was like, you know, they'd start, they'd come out of the gates looking pretty good, and then they'd fall back to earth pretty quickly. I mean, that's like a typical Flyers thing. They used to go on that like Western Canada road road trip every year, and my dumbass would stay up until midnight watching them play the Flames, and then they'd come home and lose to like the Sabers or or something, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, yeah. but I, I clearly very very much know know where we are. Yeah. So yeah, I'm two arms lengths away from the uh, from the Flyers. I tuned in the other day against the Sabers. I was told they were going to win. They got embarrassed. They got pantsed. It was uh, yeah. it was pretty bad. But this um, is what they're supposed. This is what they're supposed to do. 
All right. This is what they should have done last year. Yeah. You know, I mean, I so love Matt Vay Mitchkov. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Matty Mitchkov. Can't wait for him yeah. to come over. But, you know, this is we should have been losing to winless teams. like. The I can't be mad. I can't be mad at that. I mean, what is the arbitrary point where it's like they have to they have to show you, quote unquote, enough to, to, enough, enough of what? I mean, they're, they're not su- supposed to win. So we, we need to see like an arbitrary amount of effort or production from. uh yeah. You know, you know, from Tyson yeah. Forster or Morgan Frost or something. As long as you're answering the questions of whether these guys have it and they're going to be here in the future, then it doesn't really matter how many fucking games they they win. Exactly. I mean, the point is, you know, if Morgan Frost goes out and scores a hat trick and they're like, okay, we've made our decision on him and we still lost the game. I mean, that's the yeah. You know, that's the, the no, the, I, the, I, I mean, I think right now if you're a Flyers fan, I mean, they're still trying to figure out the lines. Morgan Frost is up in the up in the uh, suites. He's down in the suites. You know, they're still a little banged up. He's up there with back. Anthony and Russ doing the yeah. doing the yeah. press row press row yeah, show. The that's what they, they should get him on the press row show. I mean, he's just sitting there in the suites right now. Like, he's doing absolutely nothing. So like clothes, Morgan yeah. Frost, let's get a soundbite. How do you really feel about John Tortorella? Um, they're in bed yeah, with I the mean, Flyers now, so I mean, they should be able to get anybody they want for the show, right? I mean. Like they should just be able to snap their fingers and PR. Uh, that is true. They did. Over. They did build that into the contract and everything. So they yeah. should be able to get Morgan Frost in uh, sure. out of the suite, out of the uh, free beer and the free food that he's got up there. <laughs> um, hey, let's do uh, let's do a quick yeah. thing on uh, the yeah. king. The king. Oh, the king. Yeah, Howard. King, king. Yeah. says uh, he 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 says the number for Aaron Nola is thirty million dollars at seven years, and that the Phillies are not going to pay it. $210 million for Aaron Nola would put him behind Garrett Cole and the recently retired Steven Strasburg for third in the MLB for pitchers. Now, let's put this into perspective. On the one hand, the King hasn't broken anything since George Bush was in was in office. On the other hand, the first one, yeah. On the other hand, you don't get the nickname the King for nothing. So he talks Seven to years. enough people. He's down there all the time. I mean, you'd f- figure you'd have to at least backwards stumble into a scoop at some point here. Yeah. Right? So seven years, 30 million, Aaron Nola, very durable, eats up innings, but as we all know, implodes at the most inopportune times, including game six. That's all fresh on our minds, the RAV fourth inning. And also there are plenty of teams in the MLB who will pay this and not even think twice, including the and San Filippo thinks he might be going to the World Series champion Rangers. So can I tell you the top six highest paid pitchers in the MLB, Kevin? Yeah. We got Garrett Cole, strong year last year. Strasburg, as I mentioned, retired. DeGrom, shut down, injured. Carlos Radon, 14 games pitched last year, injured for most of the year. Chris Sale, didn't even know he was still pitching. He was out for two months. And then you have Patrick Corbin, who was signed Patrick over. Remember, he made more money than Zach Wheeler. Yeah. And he went 10 and 15 last year for the Nationals. So now well, yeah. you're looking at you're looking at 30 years old, Aaron Nola, seven years for the rest of his career. You probably have him for. Are you giving him 30 million a year for seven years? If that's really the number. Does it really matter if there's no cap? I just I keep coming back to like they gave Bryce Harper 13 years. They gave Trey Turner his exorbitant amount of years. I mean, we're going to reach a point in the not so distant future where all these guys are in their mid thirties and it's going to, the window is going to be closed anyway. Right. So what do you say? What are you saving on with Aaron Nola? You know what I mean? How you pay 300 million to two guys. And then, you know, the starting pitching being that at a premium, what's the difference between the approach there versus what they did with Bryce and Trey. 
know what I'm saying? Cause you're going to get to a point where you don't give a fuck anyway, where you get to like that fourth or fifth year and it's like, well, we're all cooked. So you might as well be all, might as well be all yeah. in now. If you're going to be all cooked five years from now, I mean, assuming that they all hit a downward slope at some yeah. point in their mid thirties. That's a but fair projection. I, guess I don't um, know no. what we're saving. What, like, what, what do we yeah. need to save the money for? You already got the fourth highest payroll in the league this year. And it's gotten you to the, to the NLCS two years in a row. So if you want to get over the hump, like all of a sudden now we're, 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 preaching fruit frugalness frugality frugality, frugality? yeah so, so that's a good thing. You, know, you know what i mean like I, there's people who do that cliche thing where they're like with baseball they're like well it's not your money so why do you care it sounds kind of dumb but it's yeah. it's like it's it's true uh yeah, yeah. i mean that that's a fair argument it's not your money and you got the guy on record john mills i'm talking about saying like hey does anyone remember what the 1927 yankees spent do anyone remember what they spent yeah, on yeah, the yeah. 70s reds and stuff so like exactly. he has mentioned that before so like if he really wants aaron nola he'll go out and get aaron nola i really do believe john middleton wants that trophy back i don't think john middleton cares about what his bank account looks like when he's on his deathbed in however long I think yeah. he was he worries about there being a World Series trophy at his funeral. And I think that's what he wants. Now, on the yeah. other hand, we got Blake Snell. And Blake Snell is a viable option, but this is the weirdest thing about baseball. So Blake Snell right now, he's potentially going to win his second Cy Young. Yeah. Same age as Nola. 30. He's right? only looking for 20 to 25 million on four years, but this is where it gets weird. So why is the guy the same age, about to win the Cy Young? getting like 10 million in three years less than Aaron Nola is because his hard hit percentages on baseballs. I mean, you look at Petco park, Petco park is like the polo grounds of like the, uh, the present day baseball fields. His hard hit ball percentages are too high. He can't get through the lineup. He never gets out. of. He never gets like past the sixth inning. He's not as durable as Nola. And he rarely uh, goes in late into games, like I said. So, but he gets guys out especially when he gets ahead in the count. He has some insane um, batting average against when that happens. So that's just the weird thing about baseball. There's no really viable option outside of of, of Aaron Nola. I mean, unless, you know, obviously Shohei got hurt. So, I mean, he would have been your, your your number one. So. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Philly fans, right? You know, you spend all the money or you spend none of it. You know, I, I don't know how you can be frugal at one position or, or at what point do you say, well, now we're going to try to save. You're already mm-hmm. spending two hundred ninety some million dollars or whatever it was this year. So if Aaron Nola is your best chance to to continue the success and get back to the World Series and and win it, then I think you got to do it. Look, if they if they get there and they win a World Series within the next two years, I don't think anybody's going to give a shit what happens four years after that. You know what I mean? At least I won't. After they went, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. That four win season in twenty twenty was it disappointing and was it annoying? Yeah, but I'm like. Uh, hey, like I'm happy they won the Super Bowl three. I mean that that made that changed a lot. I don't know. People were tough on Ryan Howard. People were tough on Ryan Howard with that second contract. By the end of that contract, uh, that was sad. That that's yeah. I think that's a different story too because they thought that they should have won a. I think you can make an argument that Philly should have won a second one during that. Yeah, but- I mean, they got back and then they <laughs> gradually. We're talking about the same Phillies fans. We're talking about the same Phillies fans. Yes, we're irrational but- people. 15 years later, though, I don't know if the the yeah, I don't know if the philosophy or the like the viewpoint on it is. I mean, Angelo went on WIP this morning and said, "Well, it's changed around." Well, no shit. He's been going. You're a year not going to be negative anymore. <laughs> the funny thing was, the guy's been going a year, and he was like, "I just never understood." You know, I just never understood this fan base. They're actually kind of nice at heart. Yeah, maybe I was the <laughs> asshole. You know, I mean, it's funny. I was a direct correlation there, but uh, I digress. I, I just don't right. I, I don't understand what the alternative is. I. I 
you know, people talking about that's too much money. They're already paying two guys like $300 million. So what, what is too much money? What is too much money? There is no such thing as too much money when you, when you don't have a salary cap, Mm -hmm. you know, do you think soccer fans care that like, you know, Neymar is getting X amount of wages per week or whatever. It matters the fuck not, you know, like transfer fees are, can be infinite, you know, financial fair play means nothing in soccer. So if you got the best, if Aaron Noll is the best dude out there, you're already committed. You've, you've got two feet in, then why are you taking one back out? I guess yeah. is what I'm saying. Like you're, you're either all in. Or you're not. <laughs> it's, it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, you need the pitching. I still think they're going to make a trade. I think they have too many assets not to make a trade. I know Ant was on here talking about Corbin Burns. Yeah. Um, that seems kind of like the uh, the best the best bet. I mean, that's a solid one and two. So you uh, you got to take that into account. You got to take Tywin Walker making seventy two million dollars. He didn't yeah. have the the strongest year, no matter what the uh, what the wind said. Um, you know, you're 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 dealing with uh, Ranger Suarez, who you know how long is he going to hold up and still perform? He had kind of a shaky year before the playoffs. Yeah, I mean it's. Uh, it's an interesting, an interesting uh, time they find themselves in in terms of like, you know, what what do they do? Do they look to next year's market and say, hey, next year market might be a little stronger in terms of pitching? But I just don't no, think I don't think, I don't think you can overspend on starting pitching. I mean, look at look at what we saw in the NLCS and the World Series this year. They had fucking bullpen games mm-hmm. in the NLCS and the World Series. Like I I don't even know how was it Russ who was ranting about yeah. that last week? Okay, yeah. I mean, I agree with him, right? I mean, he was saying it was a disgrace that they'd have a, a bullpen game. You know, I would put, I'm not saying you're going to recreate, you know, Oswald and Halliday and Cliff Lee and all, all that again. I mean, that was like a one-off, but, but yeah, I don't know how you, I don't think there's such a thing as, as devalue or like, or um, overvaluing starting pitching. I'd make an argument that starting pitching is just as important as a hockey goaltender or a, or a quarterback or any of that kind of stuff. And as starting pitchers don't only pitch every four or five days or whatever, but I mean, look at the crunch when we got, when we get to the playoffs, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, how important was Zach Wheeler? Zach Wheeler was probably the most important player on the, for the, for the Phillies in the postseason, you know, cause those are automatic, you know, you knew you, what you were getting out of him every single time. Yeah. You, know? you threw him and you went up one, nothing every time. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I, I don't listen. I think, um, a lot of people were fading Howard on uh, on Twitter, saying, "All right, well, he's they're definitely resigning him." But I don't know. I mean, Nola's from Louisiana, yeah. So I guess Texas is probably the closest. I guess would be his hometown team, or yeah, closest team to back down. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Anthony thinks he's going to Anthony thinks he's going to Texas, so that's that's his official or maybe unofficial call. He said that in our Slack channel, but I think he's okay with me uh, publicizing that. You know? Yeah. I mean, go out and get a. Go out and get, you know, go out and get Corbin Burns. Go out and get Corbin Burns and everything's uh, everything's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right. Well, hey, let's get into our guest. Speaking of a uh, a power pitcher, someone that you need on your team, we got Charlie Hall. We're on drugs, drummer, producer <laughs> of a Philly special Christmas and a Philly special Christmas special album now available for pre-order at phillyspecialchristmas.com on red vinyl to really sell you charlie dude how are you doing today doing great how about you i appreciate you coming on man i'll uh i'll be completely honest with you 72 hours ago i didn't Uh know anything about you but i love diving into your story man and uh (laughs) i i i read you you've never had a a cocktail or two that you didn't like and i really really appreciate that i heard your uh your extensive cocktail knowledge you learned growing up we actually kind of have uh 
a little similar story. You were making cocktails for mom and dad. We yeah. put a beer, we put a um, we put a bar down in my basement. I was pouring the perfect beer, the perfect head to beer ratio for my parents when I was six oh, years man. old. Oh man, you had the basement bar. Oh, classic. <laughs> Amazing. What's the uh, what's the alcohol rider usually like on the shows? Oh, it's uh, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty tame. Not you know I don't really uh, drink at work you know. No, I mean, like, what, what do we? Uh, I know you're a big uh, whiskey sour guy, so are we going more. Yeah, I like uh, I like red wine when I'm you know after a gig. Nice. He's yeah. the drummer, Kyle. Like the drummer actually has to keep the beat and like keep the the band in. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, he's not like the guitar player who can just kind of go up and you know wing it at improv. Kevin. Kevin knows. Kevin gets it. <laughs> is that how it is? That's yeah. yeah. How it is. Yeah, oh, I, I mean, to be honest, my like, the extent of my live uh, drum performance was like you know my cover band at home or whatever. So I haven't I haven't played in you know anything high high leverage. I would say, but yes, it was much harder. So I found it much harder to play drums in a band than play guitar. What was the music situation down in the basement bar, Kyle? It was a lot of um, classic rock. Uh huh. Yeah, a lot of a lot of Led Zeppelin, a lot yeah. of ACDC. Hell's Bells was always on. Yeah. You know. Got to. So it's great. Hey, um, well, thank you again for coming on. Um, so happy to be here. Yeah, we really we loved the uh the first Christmas album so much that you guys are doing uh another one, which is great. Yeah. Um, how about it? We got the debut single, yeah. All I Want for Christmas. Yeah. And I gotta ask, man, because it takes humongous balls to de- debut with arguably the greatest Christmas song of all time. <laughs> Whose idea was that? Did you have a hand in that? That was Jordan's, man. It was like an eleventh hour thing where he was like, "I really want to do the Mariah." T-. We were like, we were done with the record, basically, you know. And he was like, "I think I really want to do the Mariah song." And I was like, "Well, okay." <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, at first, you know, so I did like a, a you know, I did a deep dive, and obviously, like we've all heard the tune a million times, but you know, like thinking about how do you, how do you do something that's sort sort of so indelibly like the way it is, you know what I mean? Like Mariah's version is just sort of like, it's its own thing. And like, you know, I don't want to do like a piano ballad version of it. Like you want to keep the spirit of it. It's Jordan. And he's like, you know, he's got so much, so much energy. And so we just, we kind of kept it in that same, sort of vibe but just like found the right key for him where he was still pushing like he was still like at the top of his range and the other thing is that you know like the the mariah version it's like just like over the top like programmed you know like intense like you know midi stuff and and we just you know we did it with we did it with a band you know and like with horns like there's like a motown sort of a vibe to that tune that is only sort of implicit i feel like but then when you get like when you put real horns in it and you've got like a real band playing, like all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, this is like this is like a classic soul song. Yeah, it's funny because like I was describing it as like the, the girls have Mariah now and now we have Jordan Mailata. It's like Taylor Swift, like Jordan's version. Like, <laughs> you know, I love I love All I Want for Christmas by Mariah. I'll tap my toe to it a little yeah. bit. But I didn't want to like you know, sure. belt out the uh, the high note and everything. And now. I have Jordan Mailata and the lower note, and I feel like that's more of a tune I can carry now, and I appreciate you guys doing that. Well, that dude can sing. Yeah, you can. What was it like working with him? Because he's he's a – I mean, these are not professional musicians, um, but, I mean, he's just got such 
talent with it. I mean, was he a natural in there? Did he require a lot of direction? Did you oh kind of God. Like back off? I him? mean, he's like the most natural musician. I've, like one of the most natural musicians I've ever met. I mean, he comes from a family. And then I mean, the thing is like, he's such an incredible singer. You know what I mean? Like, like, like a song like this, you hear him singing. The other thing though, is like, he's such an incredible harmony singer. Like mm. he has the most amazing knack for like finding a harmony and you know, I think that comes from like growing up in a musical family where he was like, you know, somebody else was like singing the lead a lot. And so he just like, like really learned how to like tuck in and like find just because he is so musical and he's so, um, you know, intelligent. So he's like, yeah, and he plays, plays every instrument. And he's just like he's oh, and he's just like bursting with sort of excitement and, and, and energy all the time. So he's just like always like playing and singing and banging on things and you know it's, it's, he's he's got really just contagious contagious positivity i guess jordan's one story because he does have that musical background he kind of understands how it works i mean with the other guys do you have to kind of hold their hand a little bit and just and simplify it i mean are you, are you just putting them, these them guys up are there? all these guys are all singers you know yeah. i mean it's always you know they're they're when you're in a studio it's it's nerve-wracking and you know i'm sure it's like yeah these guys are like the masters at this thing that they do so it's probably like i can imagine for them not, not speaking for them but i'm just like putting myself in their shoes i'd say there's probably something a little intimidating of like people are used to me being like the best at this thing you know that i'm that i do every day and now i'm like you know now everybody's watching me sing and it's like yeah it's nerve-wracking when you're like singing from a microphone for the first time and um but you know they all just like they 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 bring it out in each other like they they that's like one of the really great things to witness with this whole thing is just like watching them kind of make each other comfortable and like know what each other needs in terms of like support and encouragement because they're all like natural singers you know like it's just it's just a matter of like finding that place getting getting to that place where you're comfortable and you're not thinking you know yeah what's different about recording this album this time around compared to the last one compared to last year i mean you know it's like we 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 sort of swung for swung for the fences i guess you, you might you, say were you shocked by how well it went this year no last year last year like, oh yeah last, i don't, I don't think any of us had any idea like i think we just thought we were doing something fun and hoped that maybe we would like you know raise fifty thousand dollars for children's crisis treatment center or something, you know, like, and like maybe hopefully like bring some joy to some people, but like had no idea that like it would be, it would turn into such a thing. I mean, I think that once we were done with it, like, I mean, I think we knew it was good. Like, you know, like I never, we never went into this, like wanting to, you know, have a goof or something, you know, it's like, it was always serious. Like we were always very serious about the music. It was not like a, um, a joke. Yeah, sometimes things that are like really good don't have the most, you know, commercial success either. So it was really cool to to see that and all the and all right, the money right. you guys Yeah, so it. it was so cool. When you're doing these things, Charlie, I mean, it's it's you, you know, it's always a collaborative process. Um, totally. but when you're well, when you're working with people who are not necessarily familiar with a studio setting or or pro tools or how this works or how any of that. I mean, did you have to insert did you find that this was a situation where you had to insert yourself a lot or kind of direct you know steer the direction of it or was it 
Was it a natural fit? Did they share ideas back with yeah. you? Did they def- whole, defer to you? <laughs> I mean, I could not possibly overstate how truly collaborative this whole thing was. Like with Nick Krill, who engineered and mixed and had brought so many ideas and to the table. And so, you know, so Nick was always there, like, like, you know, running, running the, running the show, you know, like he was at the board. And so he was the, he, he always, and he's like, is so good at like remembering takes, you know, he's got a whole system like for taking notes, like during takes of like, Oh, that was great. we got to remember that. we got to remember this. And so it made it so easy to kind of just like comp together, you know, you do like you do multiple takes of something and then you comp together, like, you know, the, the, the take that has the most vibe and, and whatever. And so, but those guys were all just so down to like, get, get in there and like, and learn too. I mean, like, you know, Jason has a, like an acute understanding of, of like, of how music works and like speaks the language too. You know what I mean? Sometimes he'll be like, he'll say something like, he'll come back with like a note on a mix. Like, I noticed that there was like a 32nd note, maybe like early on this like snare drum or something. I'm like, yeah. what? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, were and they then, asking, were they yeah. taking that stuff and pointing that back to you? Because they're not they're yeah. not natural musicians, right? Yeah. No, but they're like so naturally just like um, tuned into like being being great at whatever they're doing. Details, I think. You know what I mean? Like, attention you spend your detail. yeah, attention yeah. to detail, and I mean, you know, like every play, like Jason's got to like read the defense and yeah. you know make make adjustments on the fly. I mean, it's like what they do out there is intense, like, uh, like intensely, uh, a mental, mentally intense. <laughs> and so yeah. like, it, I think that that same sort of attention to detail and curiosity and desire to be great. Like they all had that when it came with their approach to making music where it was that's like, a, that's applicable to anything you do, you know, yeah. the amount of yeah. study that they do, the film prep. I mean, the study of yeah. it's and all not, that. it's like, it's not an accident that those guys are great. Yeah. Like it's not an accident that this team is awesome and that they have like a special thing because like, look at these dudes. Yeah. And do you think that's kind of similar to being in a band as well as like being on a sports team, you know, because, and maybe that's why. Both yeah. Of your, 100%. Your, you guys, yeah. What you guys could pull, you know, maybe it why it was so successful. Yeah. And it's, it's about, you know, when you're a band, like everybody's got, everybody's got different roles, you know what I mean? Like both like on your instrument, but maybe also within the fabric of, the dynamics of the band, like everyone's got sort of roles and, and kind of takes care of each other. And, you know, like, if you know, you know, like I know to, yeah, it's just about communication and, and um, yeah, that, sorry, that's a long winded way of saying, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> why we're here you know, yeah. to have the discussion. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, it's funny. Cause I don't, I, you know, dabbled in music back in the day and I, 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 I did one or two recordings, like very small side stuff. I think the hardest, the thing that I found hardest about recording an album was that you're, you're never, um, there's no like one take that you're just like, it, it's not a linear thing. Like I, I would do a take, I would play a guitar solo. I'd be mm-hmm. like, I like that, but maybe it could be better, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was like the, it, the hardest thing was to settle and say, that's good enough. Or that's gonna work, or whatever. yeah, or that's got a spirit. That's got the spirit that I'm trying to communicate, even if it doesn't have like I didn't play like that lick exactly the way I wish I had, or I wish I'd done this other thing. But sometimes you just kind of like 
go back and find like what 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 take were was I most like expressing what what I was what I'm trying to express because sometimes once you start tr you know trying to like fix something fix something fix something you start to sort of lose the you know you lose that that did magic you guys like, run in, did you guys run into that at all you're doing a charity yeah. album, which is christmas covers but i mean was there a sense of like hey i gotta get this this has to sound a certain way or i'm, I'm not satisfied with what i just did or yeah i mean we got yeah we worked hard man like we we, we were just like sometimes you have to drill down on i mean you know jordan didn't even know half these songs you know it's like it's like what do you mean you never heard of the, uh, the christmas song like the most famous christmas song ever written you know, he's like, I'm from Australia, mate. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh yeah. So we gotta like teach him that, and then of course he, he, you know, he hears it once and then he sings it his yeah. own way. And it's beautiful. So what were you like, doing? Were you feeding him through the booth, like you know, certain lines, and he would repeat it into the mic? I mean, no, we just kind of you know work it out, like you know, sit at the piano or whatever. We just like practice it a couple times, and then yeah, like sometimes like in the, you know, sometimes after a take, be like, you know sing him that melody it was like this is these are the important you know not that it's like everything always has to be exactly a certain way but you know a melody of a song has you know there are like spots where it's like important you gotta like hit this note or it's like yeah you do it your way so it's just always about finding that balance between like yeah you don't want to force it you want some you know you want you want them want them to sing naturally and so yeah yeah I, I saw Connor Barwin is an executive producer on this. I've never done anything in music. I've never done anything in films. We don't have any executive producers on this show. What is an executive producer for the people at home? I mean, he's looking at everything. He's looking at everything, you know? And I mean, we work on a lot of this together, but like, he's like got the big picture. I mean, he's got both the big picture and like a, a sort of a, an understanding of all the minutia and, and all the details of everything. So, you know, sort of down to like, you know, just the whole rollout of everything. And, 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 and also, you know, he and I work together a lot on sort of like wrangling, wrangling people. And, yeah, you know, schedule. like sometimes, yeah, schedule. And even though we, you know, even though we do this in the summer when the guys are not, it's off season, it's still, you know, it's like a lot to, to manage. And then also, you know, we work together a lot on sort of like, um, figuring out like what's important and asking, you know, trying to get people to do things or, or, or being like, you know what, let's just leave it. Like, I don't want to, you know, just like focus on what's important. Yeah. Yeah. So you're diving into the music. He's kind of looking at the finer detail on the other end. Okay. I yeah. Kinda, I understand what that makes sense. Is. Yeah. I appreciate yeah, that. I think it's so. And then like every, every, every tentacle of this sort of operation, even though at its core, it's like, it's, music we're making a record we're making music but it's also mm -hmm. we're also working with many different charities and uh mm -hmm. not charities but organizations and and um and then all the personnel and then like the distribution of the music and the production of you know mo of videos yeah, and it content like and you've got the, it's like you've got the exciting job you're you're in the in the gritty you're in the music he's dealing with the crossing the t's and and dot in the eyes and everything. yeah but it's exciting too man like yeah. he's got a gift like he's got a real connor's like a really really special dude and it's not an accident that the eagles were smart enough to hire him yeah. after he was done playing to be in charge of player development you know what i mean like that's more than just that's a tech like, machine i like that yeah yeah what's that yeah. 
more, more than just more than just a sack, sack machine. machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like yeah, you, you exactly. need, like, but you need, uh, you know. I mean, in football, they have positions that they call like uh, you know quality control, right? Where it's just like a guy sitting up in a booth, kind of giving you another set of eyeballs and maybe looking for things that sh- that other people may right. not. Be, you know, I mean, you can't. I, I, I right. think there's a there's a there's a soft spot somewhere in between too many cooks in the kitchen versus like, Hey, a collaborative process and more. Hey, in, in I, I know exactly what you're talking about. You know I mean? That's like, that's one of the, that's one of the dynamics of like something like this, which I, you know, like really tried really hard for it to, I wanted everyone to be involved and everyone to not just like come in and like be like a, session musician for hire but to like come in and like be a part of the creative process and so you know managing that is like sometimes the job (laughs) you know it's like you got six different you know forces kind of at at play at the same time and it's all good but it's like you also have to sort of manage those dynamics you know and i think that just to put a finer point on like the connor thing like yeah, I know what you mean. Like maybe, I mean, I think that my job is the fun job too, but he's like, I don't know, man. Like I, I could see him being like a, a, a media mogul. I mean, he's got like a really, he's got like business sense. He's got like marketing sense. He's got, he's got the people, he's got like the most amazing people skills of anyone you'll ever meet. And I just feel like it's been really, I've learned so much. I mean, I think that we're like a good team because we we work together really well. And, um, you know, I think we sort of, you know, it's mutual admiration, but he's really like, you know, getting to work closely with him is, is, is a really pretty amazing education of watching how you, how you navigate, you know, the business and, and, people and everything. Yeah. It's cool. I have kind of a dorky, like in the weeds music question. I find it interesting. Maybe other people will, but uh, love it. I love it already. I haven't even heard the question and I love it. <laughs> I, it's, you know, it's crazy because like the recording technology and production technology is, has, you know, increased so much over just 10 or 15 years, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, at least the type of music I listen to, I'm a heavy metal guy, you know? So when everything comes out, it's like all- what flavor? Oh my God! Uh, Morbid Angel, Cannibal Corpse. Uh, oh, know, like the heavy shit. The heaviest of the heavy, yeah. you yeah. know. But yeah. when it comes out, Charlie, it's all now. Everything's like overly compressed, and yeah. Yeah. everything goes through fourteen hundred filters and whatever. And it, it just the, the the criticism, of course, is that everything is like overly overdone, you know, computerized and all yeah. that. Yeah. Versus, yeah, like, you can kill it. You can kill. Where it just doesn't have a natural feel. I mean, you listen to these old like analog recordings that are like, okay, I hear this, I hear them playing the instruments in the studio. Now everything can sound so artificial. I I just wonder, you you know, this music, I was a Christmas album. I I don't think you can, you know, you're not triggering drums for a, you're not triggering blast beats for a Christmas album. But I wonder if you, if you had a, if you had a philosophy on like how to find a middle ground there as far as like capturing this natural sound, but I'm going to use the stuff that's at my disposal too. 100%. I mean, part of it's like, you know, part of what is uh, really helpful about this, this technology is that, you know, you don't have to spend like $1.5 million getting a snare sound for like six weeks to Def Leppard. (laughs) You know, it's like, you know, you you can work quick and, and, you know, there's ways to work quicker and smarter with this technology. 
but you don't, you know, it's also kind of like what you're getting at, like with those, like with, with the compression and, and, and with some of those modern recordings, I think that you're, you're hearing it where it's like, you know, you can just, you can squash any, any bit of like feeling out of a song. It's like cheating. If you, just, just if you try to correct every, you know, yeah. if you try to correct every note to the like nth degree, or if you're trying to like, you know, quantize a beat and put it on a grid, and then you just like kind of lose all of that feeling, <laughs> like all that space between the notes that is like part of how we express ourselves uh, in mm -hmm. in the musical language. Once, if you're like overdoing it with the with the with the Photoshop, you know, Pro Tools jazz, it's it's you lose it all. Are these from a guy who has absolutely no knowledge of what you two are talking about? Is this the uh, the musical version of old men yelling at a cloud right now that today's music is just not as good as this for you? <laughs> no, I think it's like uh, it's like Instagram filters. Like like what is that? That person doesn't look like that. But, yeah. Okay, you're putting some lipstick on a pig. You're saying a little bit. But, well, hopefully not a pig. But yeah. But if you're gonna make it look, if you're if if the filter, it's gonna filter it to the point where it doesn't even look real. Then yeah, what it looks like a point, robot. What was the point of taking taking the picture in the first place. I guess that's kind of the point I'm trying to make. Where it's like, yeah. if if, if uh, you needed to do pitch correction for Jason Kelsey, okay, the technology's there, but you don't want to overdo. Yeah, but it you can tell if it's overdone. Yeah, you know, like you you can't like you can totally tell if it's overdone. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know. Take the zit off my nose, you know what I mean? But I don't need to, you don't need to like make me look like a Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> so Charlie, we have a we have a question that comes from a listener, uh, Nico.04. He wanted to know who inspires you personally to, that mm. got you into music and then got you in the drumming specifically. Mm. Gosh, I mean, uh, so I grew up, you know, I had an older brother. Um, so growing up in like, you know, born in the seventies. So he's listening to classic rock when I'm like three, four years old. So that's what initially got me excited about music. You know, it's like listening to Zeppelin and, and the stones and the who and stuff like that. Um, and then I don't know, like people that inspire me, usually it's like, it's, it's, it's people who like exude, you know, uh, people who, who are sort of like great communicators, like drummers, like Brian blade or, um, Stevie Wonder's drumming is really um, some of my favorite. Um, Levon Helm, you know, some of the, I mean, a lot of these guys are singers actually, like drummers who sing, I think, like play in a certain way that's like with the phrasing is is kind of tied to tied to melody as much as it's tied to like, you know, the 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 rhythm track of the song. Um, so yeah, Joni Mitchell is is right. is an important uh, figure. For me, Miles Davis. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of, a lot of classic. Uh, yeah, music, a lot of legends of their game and everything. So yeah, when you I play really, music, man, when you play music, you got an appreciation for everything. Yeah, you know? I think so. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not I'm not musically gifted, but I did. I was. What do you like? What do you like to listen to? I guess I grew up on like Eminem and DMX and uh -huh. uh, and, and and Good Charlotte legends like that. Uh -huh. Uh, Blink One Eighty Two, yeah, um, you know, those are, like those are those are those are mine. So you I'm basically like, just stated that's that's Mount Rushmore, basically. What you just yeah, stated. yeah, it was Good Charlotte, Eminem, and uh, and Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah, um, DMX. Yeah, the Mount, the Mount Rushmore of uh, TRL in in nineteen. Yes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Mount Rushmore. Of what's his, what's his name's got to be on there? 
was it Carson Daly? Carson Daly. Yeah. 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 Like, I, I did. I was watching you guys in Glastonbury a couple uh, a couple months ago, mm. and you know, I'm not. I, I know nothing about music, but I really enjoyed how you jammed. I mean, you. Uh, Thank you. You 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 jam you jam hard, and you got a lot of. <laughs> Uh, charisma when you when you do you know drum and everything i just was wondering like man how do you, you. how do you keep it going at, at your age like were you talking to uh kelsey and being like hey man how do you keep it going you i mean, need like, how can diet? i how can i be so young but like yeah. play so old <laughs> but play um, so yeah so, like, um i mean you know it's like a it's a it's a um it's a privilege to to get to do this you know like i so i don't i don't take for granted any you know, any second of it. I mean, so, so to, to be able to play, you know, music that I love, like with people that I love, like for people that are there that to like connect with it on like an emotional level, it's like, I'll always play my heart out, you know, like, because it's such a, you know, I just feel so grateful for the opportunity to, to be there doing that, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's a dream. I love that. I mean, um, Kev, I got one more. Unless you got anything. No, no, I always appreciate. Kevin's that. bored. No, no, Kevin, no, I'm, I'm just I kidding. <laughs> I could go on and on about like yeah. all the the in depth shit like forever. I love it. I, I, oh, just, I was about to leave halfway through that conversation. You two. <laughs> I was just about to get into e drums and talking about triggering and all that stuff. But now we'll save that for another. another <laughs> Charlie, yeah. did you did you see that uh, Kelsey got selected as one of the sexiest men alive today? Uh, yeah, that that was in my news feed this morning when is, I is, uh, when I is there. Anything the man can't do, like it's it's getting ridiculous at this point. I mean, <laughs> the dude wrote like a stone cold classic Christmas song. Really? Are you are okay? There's an You're... original. So there's one of the songs on this new record is a song that he wrote. Okay, and you're co-signing this as a musician. It's incredible. Okay. It's just like, oh yeah, of course you can write a amazing song that will like you know make you cry and also it's like <laughs> it's really it is it's like he wrote a song from like this unique perspective you know or like i mean basically like wrote a song from santa's perspective about mm -hmm. like this night ahead of work you know this yeah. like dreadful night of work every year it's like oh my god <laughs> what do i i have to do this i have to go you know to all these houses squeeze through all these fucking chimneys <laughs> yeah i'm <laughs> I'm starting to get a little yeah. tired of this guy. I mean, you save some for the rest. Of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh like, man, I love, I love it. Exactly. I love it. So, what is it? People, ma it. people, sexiest, sexiest men alive, something like yeah. that. Incredible. Yeah. Hey, maybe if this one goes number one too, you you'll be on there next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mad Magazine. <laughs> That's a classic one. I, I used to read that all back in the day. People thought I looked like Alfred. Oh, yeah. I don't know why. Um, big, big ears. Um, but hey, Charlie, man, we really appreciate it. Everybody, uh, you can go oh, get man. the uh, the red vinyl right now on pre order at Philly, yeah, Special or you can get the deluxe, the du deluxe double, double LP with the gold vinyl, which has last year's record and this year's record in one in this like really beautiful gatefold. So, yeah, there it is. The deluxe that sounds like a perfect uh, Christmas. Album stocking stuff it's sweet actually the bundle is sweet because that puzzle is like I, I love that 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 puzzle is what the gatefold when you open up the lp that's the image of the gatefold it's all the musicians on the yeah. record like in in the in the sort of you a met, puzzle guy like theater am i a what guy you a puzzle guy 
Oh yeah, love puzzles. Huge, love huge puzzle family. I guess the song is kind of like just a puzzle. Like, what's that? I think I guess the song is kind of like a puzzle in a way. Sure is. Sure is. Wow. Well, Charlie, thank you so much, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, Good luck thank with you everything. guys. Yeah, it's uh, oh, really man. great to meet you both. Yeah, great to meet you. We'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks. Cool. 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 Fun, man. I love it. I could talk music all day long. You know, know you can. I feel like I, I feel like I don't, I I do you a disservice because I just, I can't, I can't, I I just don't know anything about music. So I try try not to get too deep in the weeds. You know, I just, it's interesting because it's like when you got a bunch of football players coming in to do a cover album, it's like, how in depth do you want to go? You know, versus like, Hey, just go up to the microphone and give me your best shot. You know? Like, you know, you don't want to over, you don't want to overdo it or anything like that. You know? <laughs> All right. We'll take a couple of takes. Uh, Jordan, good job. Jason, we're going to have to work on you. Lane, we yeah. just need a little bit more than uh, yeah, some, some heavy editing, some heavy editing, perhaps. Heavy. That one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, we have two more guests uh, on the show today. They're sitting outside. I hope their internet is good enough. Let's bring them on here. Is that Kate and Alexis? Hey guys. Hey, hey how are we doing? So we got Kate Van Druff and Alexis Tarantino joining us. Um, uh, if you read on the site uh, about a week ago, a week and a half ago, we did a story about uh, my hometown of uh, New Hanover, Gilbertsville. Uh, there is a hockey rink there that is uh, could possibly be turned into pickleball courts. So, um, <laughs> so uh, Kate and Alexis, I guess it's safe to say, are kind of at the forefront of uh, of uh, battling the township or fi- fighting fighting for the. Uh, the continued existence of the the hockey rink here. First of all, where are, where are you guys right now? We're at the deck, the hockey rink in New oh. Hanover in Gilbertsville. Yeah, live, live, live from live. the actual location. <laughs> live right, yeah. scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is a little park off of Route Six Sixty Three in Swamp Pike, where where I grew near where I grew up. <laughs> and um, so you guys put together. Why don't you give us the backstory real quick? You put together a petition when you found out that this was uh, a plan that the township was going to perhaps embark upon, there was a township meeting last week, obviously. Why don't you take us back to the beginning and sort of explain what's going on here? Sure, Kevin, that's great. Um, So actually I was away with Alexis and some other women to um, Rhode Island for an all women's hockey team uh, or hockey tournament. And I felt very inspired coming back that we needed to play more hockey locally. And I thought other women and more kids and uh, just people in general would enjoy it as much as I did. So I started a pickup hockey group and I realized our rink here only had one net. So I offered the township that I would buy one if someone with a truck could pick it up. Mm-hmm. And the email I received back from the township manager was not what I was expecting. That's actually when we found out that the rink was possibly being taken over by pickleball. And uh, we did not see any um, notification about this. So I told Alexis and I think it was like 1030 on a Friday night. She dug right in, started a petition and um, our wheels just started turning from there. So if you hadn't emailed them about the net or inquired about the net, would they have, would you not have found out about this? I think that would be exactly what would have happened. It might've gone through all of our noses. We'd show up to play hockey one day and there'd be no more hockey. (laughs) There'd be a pickleball court where you thought there was going to be a hockey. (laughs) Yeah. See, that's that's it. I I was like, I write the story for the website, you know, Kyle's the pickleball guy. He does the the charity event at uh, down in Malvern a couple of weeks. It hasn't been a good week and a half for pickleball. No, (laughs) a couple couple weeks or whatever. But uh, so when, so when you went to, so when you first contacted them or, or talked to them, what did, what did the township, what did the township say about it? 
Um, Jamie was very supportive. He said it's good timing that we reached out, actually, and invited us to present at the meeting, but did mention that we would need some new Hanover support. Both Alexis and I are from, I'm, my fence is on the wrong side of the township, and Alexis used to live here, but now comes all the way from Lancaster to help the kids with hockey and to, to be a part of the hockey community. Mm-hmm. So um, they did invite us to come to the meeting, so we just started from there. Yeah, they uh, they actually kind of told us, like, you know, you don't have to bring out your torches and pitchforks. This was just like a suggestion from, uh, uh, I think it was actually Jamie, the ta- mm-hmm. township manager. Yeah. He was asking people in the community, you know, what they'd like to see more of happening. And they said, you know, how about some physical activity for adults? So Jamie was looking at a place to put maybe pickleball because he heard pickleball is getting really popular. It's something that people of all ages can do. Um, so when we read their, you know, their newsletters, their minutes, their Facebook posts, stuff like that, uh, they said they were suggesting pickleball and that they had a site, but it wasn't stated that it was the hockey rink. They just said that they had a, you know, concrete pad that could fit five courts. And uh, we don't know if we would have found that out until after they pushed it through that it was actually on the hockey rink. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie's been really gracious in working with us saying, you know, to see that it's loved and it's used is what they want. Um, and they're willing to help us, you know, keep it a good hockey rink for everybody. Yeah, that's good. And I'm reading Kevin's article. It seems like there's like 15 pickleball courts within a 20 minute drive of, of New Hanover Park. Yeah. And there's just not, if they got rid of this hockey rink, there wouldn't be one within like a 45-minute drive from the park. Am I, am I getting that correct? Yeah, so I live uh, just past Morgantown, Terry Hill, and there's actually a rink like two minutes from my house, but I don't know anybody out there. A lot of people just play roller there, pick up. There's no you know established league. And uh, the next closest rink is Reading, where they do a lot of youth outreach. You know, They have the rec center right next door, so they do clinics every week, and they have a youth league and adult league. Um, but the next closest thing is 422, which is over $100 a season. So, again, it's not really suited for kids or women like Kate who just said, I want to try this, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I don't want to commit to playing with people that are above my level, you know, the way I started. And the only other public park around here is 25 minutes away in Collegeville, and they do not want organized sports there. They want it just for the community. So to go on a Sunday or a Tuesday and just say, I'm just going to drop in and play some hockey with my kid. We live here. Um that's the only other free resource around here. Hmm. So, so what happened at the uh, township meeting? It was great. We had a wonderful following from all of our local um, hockey groups. We had um, players and the president of Boyertown Ice Hockey. We had the president of Pottstown Jesters Travel Ball Hockey. And we had some kids from Pottstown Pal. Our goalie from uh, some of the teams showed up in full gear. And three of our That's young smart. girls and daughter got up to speak um, we had smart everything it was amazing yeah roll the, kid, roll the kids out and put the kids out there in front i of love what, that what, what township <laughs> supervisor yeah yeah what township oh. supervisor would not be influenced by that <laughs> let me let me ask the obvious question did they did they answer the question at the township meeting or did anybody ask the question of why can't we just have both uh we we kind of did and that's when they responded hey look this was just a suggestion based on what people in the community said they wanted to see. We're not saying that we're going to take away your hockey rink. You know, we're just trying to propose solutions for whatever the community wants. So they were really adamant about the fact that, you know, they have those meetings every month, first Wednesday of every month. Um, So if you don't have, you know, two or four kids to shuffle around to their sports on those nights of the week, you can go and talk to them about all these plans. And they were really just saying, like, they're a, a, a committee that recommends to their supervisors, you know, what should be done. And the fact that we showed up, 
you know, more than two or three people. I think they were close to 30 or 40 people. Mm-hmm. Um, that just showed them like, hey, this is very well loved. So we need to preserve the space. Well, did they tell you how much it would cost to build a, I mean, surely it can't be that expensive to just pave a separate thing and put some pickleball. I guess what I'm asking is why can't you keep the hockey deck and have the pickleball courts at the same time? Is that too expensive for them to do? Uh, I actually think it's well within their budget. They told us at the meeting that they have um, a nonprofit that they work with in Pottstown. I forget the full, you know, seven word name of this nonprofit, but they do a really great thing. They donate uh, $25,000 a year for community outreach programs like this. So if someone wanted to see a pickleball rink or court, um, I think that they could build a couple of them, honestly. And they did say at the meeting that there are some other spaces. There's a lot of parks. Um, they could probably find another place to pave down a pickleball court if they wanted to. Let's be honest. It's it's New Hanover. You know, it's not like space is at a premium. Yeah. <laughs> don't have enough people to mow their lawns. So a lot of people <laughs> from soccer and football programs volunteer yeah. to mow their lawns. I said, I'll volunteer to mow your lawn if we can keep the ring. Mm-hmm. We've done yeah, we we gotta... here and weeding. Yeah. It's, people love it and we take care of it when we can. Uh, yeah. Hey, listen, if they do give you any gruff, I mean, Kevin's uh, local there. We know we know some we know some power players, uh, Jimmy Devlin, Ross yeah. Tucker, Chad Henney. We'll get yeah. them to uh, to move their weight around if they want to come to uh, and try to get rid of that rink. Yeah. Um, you, you let, just let us know if you need, to, need us to pull in the, the big guns. I'm going to pull like a Stephen A. Smith here and read a text message uh, live on the show. <laughs> Uh, Jimmy three X three times, uh, three times Super Bowl winner Jimmy Devlin says, uh, count me in in the fight to save the hockey rink in Gilbertsville, the home of the uh, the world famous East versus West hockey game. Uh, and East never lost, by the way, so he made sure to throw that in there. But if we have to, if we have to, you know, call in the uh, artillery here, we can we can do that. I just think it's funny because it's, I you know, I don't know why the the you know, if you want to bring in pickleball it's great let's bring in more pickleball courts but it shouldn't have to be at the expense of something that's already there you know it's like why why not why not both you know yeah like we said i think we brought out our uh torches and pitchforks a little prematurely <laughs> and they were like yeah if you guys use that rink great like we drove by a couple times in the last few weeks haven't seen anybody there we've got a shed locked up they said they still have um nets and sticks from an old program that mm-hmm. used to you know host their league here but i don't know if you've ever been to this rink it's got a metal fence, no boards. Fence is, you know, waist height or a little bit taller if you're a child or a short person. Um, but there's gaps underneath the fence. When you play a game, we played pickup here last week. The balls kept rolling out of the out of the fence, going behind the net, out underneath the boards. And uh, yeah. I mean, it's not very practical to host the, an actual game here, let alone pickup. There's only one gate on each side, so you don't really have a bench area for good line changes for anything above a three-year-old. It's not exactly, uh, not exactly the Flyers uh, skate zone or anything. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps it could be. It could be, yeah. Get the Flyers out there. I mean, what do they say? There's 22 hockey complexes in southern New Jersey. Let's take one of them and maybe not invest in one of those 22. Let's invest in one maybe up up north. Up north is a hockey hotbed. Well, Jersey is too, and, and we actually play down there for NBHL. Mm-hmm. Um, the GT Hockey Complex is a three-ring facility. It's gorgeous. You know, they're all three tiled surfaces, so they're not just concrete floors anymore, uh, which is what you find a lot in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. There's not many indoor options, but for outdoor options, GT is like the creme de la creme. Like, Flyers invested in that. Used to be nothing. You know, it's one of those stories, like, build it and they will come. We're the only travel hockey program out here for Jesters that goes to Jersey. 
And uh, we've got like 80 families in our program. GT alone has like 800 families in their program. And that's just one of the, yeah, you know, 10 yeah. factions in New Jersey or however cool. many are. So it's, well, it's huge on our, in our area. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, we used to play growing up. We played in the cul-de-sacs. We played at that park. Yeah. Played everywhere out there, you know. It's almost like you don't, you don't want it to, like, I don't want it to become like a chicken or the egg kind of thing where it's like, hey, nobody's playing hockey, so we're not going to have these courts. And But yeah. then it becomes, well, nobody's playing hockey because there's nowhere to no, nowhere to play. You know, it's like yeah. it's a cyclical kind yeah. of thing, right? So I don't, I don't, I mean, I remember growing up playing a lot there, so... Um, okay, you guys keep us updated on uh, what's going on with the township and everything. And um, if it feels like we're losing leverage here, we'll we'll uh, start making some phone calls and we'll bring in the big guns, right? Sounds good. That's great. <laughs> Thank you both so much. And if you guys want to come out, uh, Kyle, bring your pickleball paddle. Hockey will have some fun. <laughs> Why? So I can get beat over the head with it? I, I don't feel like pickleball is allowed over there. I'll bring the hockey stick. We're both sports. <laughs> I'll bring the I'll bring the hockey stick and I'll bring some pads. All right, let's go. <laughs> All right, thank okay. you guys thank you so much, guys. Thanks, I appreciate guys. you. Thank you. We'll see you. Go Bears. Go Bears. Go Bears. Um, save the hockey rink. There's two. I mean, I'll agree with you there. I'm the pickleball pickleball guy on the uh, on the old pod, but uh, there might be too much pickleball right now. So. Well, I just, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Are we that fucking cheap in New Hanover that we just can't build pickleball and to keep the the deck there? I mean, surely it can't be that expensive to just pay pave over of, uh, I, don't, I don't know. There's, there's I would say there's probably too much grass in Boyertown. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's a lot. There's definitely not a, uh, we you know. We probably see that landscaping budget decrease by 10%. I don't think anyone would be uh, any of the wiser. It's not um, much of a park. It's got a baseball field and it's got a uh, basketball court and it's got the hockey, uh, the the deck, you know. So, uh, you know. We got a couple things I want to talk about before we get out of here. Zitnek is back. Your boy. Yeah. He's back on the Rams. Craig, yeah. can you bring up the picture? I have updated the uh, offseason um, Carson Wentz picture. I uh, remember the one that went viral during the season of him in the uh, Eagles helmet, the Colts shorts, and the uh, Commander's uh jersey i have updated it to now add the rams for next year i think we'll get this picture in about 10 minutes there we go added oh, some nice shoes and a nice little ram horn on the uh on the helmet there for old carson that'll be uh that'll be next year's picture uh how do you feel how do you feel your boys back uh well i'm i'm happy for him he helped the eagles win a super bowl i'm not gonna what, what am i gonna like cheer for his failure or something yeah craig pull up this video that i just found for the first time ever of a pelting carson wentz after the super bowl how has this never been added into evidence before craig can you fast forward a little bit look at that just won the super bowl looks like he needs to be consoled that was like the saddest person to ever win a super bowl ever this is always my argument with Carson Wentz. This is why what I don't like Carson Wentz. I just don't think he was ever a good teammate. Is this in response to what Rob Motti was saying last night? Because the, the, the it is. <laughs> we can get the Rob Motti's tweets in a second. Um, it wasn't Bible because I was reading the top. I didn't know it wasn't Bible study. It was him being a pouty baby after Foles led us to a Super Bowl. Yeah, um, I mean, that was a, that was a that was a whole nother event in and of itself. The uh, the Rob Motti tweets that he. <laughs> fired off in succession were some of the most craziest tweets in terms of like the weirdest consequential order that I've ever seen. Craig, if you could pull up those three, but, uh, but your boy's back, you know what? I don't wish him any, uh, any good luck or anything. I don't think we'll ever get back to 2017 Carson. I don't think we'll even get back to uh, 2018, 2019 Carson, but yeah. 
he's back in the NFL, and uh, Sean McVay will run him into the ground. Yeah, I mean that's not where I thought he would end up. You know, I mean, look the uh, the the uh, Vikings passed on him for Josh Dobbs. I mean, the Jets had a chance to bring him in. The Giants had a chance. I was more shocked than anything that he found a landing spot because I thought after those couple teams passed on him initially, yeah. you know, I was sitting here thinking like, well, that's probably it for him. You know. Which is crazy, but uh, yeah, well, look, Rob is a very nice guy, very religious, obviously. So, uh, so he said here, uh, new Rams quarterback Carson Wentz. Rob got ra- the, the reason we're telling you this is because Rob got ratioed for tweeting this. He said, yeah, new, Rams, new Rams quarterback Carson Wentz, who once threw for 4,000 yards without any wide receiver over 500, now gets to work with Cooper Cup. And Puka Nakua, and he won't have to worry about Cup anonymously calling him a bad teammate because he prefers to do Bible study on a Friday night over doing shots with receivers. Sean McVay gets a QB with upside who had 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions in 2021 and was terrible in 2020 and the end of 2022. He does say he was terrible there in the, you know, in at yeah, the uh, the end of the tweet, but uh, yeah, like different strokes for different folks. Sometimes people in the locker room bond over shots on a Friday, and sometimes people in the locker room bond over a Bible study on a Friday. And there can be both. I mean, there's both faith faith based guys in sports that do shots on the weekends and also you know read the Bible. Well, I mean, the, the number one thing why that's all bullshit too is that Nick Foles was very religious and was a conservative from Texas, right? And nobody in the locker room or nobody in the fan base made a big deal about that, you know? So obviously it was the other things that Carson did or was alleged to have done is what, is what they didn't like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There you go. Turtle Bush says it right. Nick Foles over at Christian won a Super Bowl fan favorite. Jalen hurts over at Christian. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's almost like, it's almost like what I was saying the other day, it's like, well, the Eagles uh, won the Super Bowl while giving up 500 yards, you know? So, I mean, the only difference is they made one play. So it's like, you're talking about marginal kind of things here, you know? So Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was funny. I mean, there was just like, Craig, br- bring up the other two. Uh, it was just a funny consequential order of, of tweets right after. So then he goes, if you dare attempt to bring an old original Nick's roast beef sandwiches through security checkpoint at Philadelphia Airport, they will treat you like you tried to bring firearms on a plane. Last year, they took my mom's meatballs. Now they came after Nick's roast beef. A couple uh, minutes later, saw a man in a wheelchair literally threatened to shoot an elderly woman because she struggled pushing his wheelchair across Ninth and Walnut. I was at a red light, tried to help. Car started honking and cursing at me. Told a few people who said that's typically Philly now. Sad. I just... uh I don't think that last one happened. I would I would probably say there those uh, those those uh, events. I don't want to call Rob Mati a liar. I would say those events probably aren't true. They might have been um, uh, hyper hyperbolic and for yeah. uh, to, make, to make the story a little bit. The funniest thing I can just picture is Rob Mati firing off these tweets from the Philadelphia airport bathroom while sitting on the throne, just being like one after another after another. It was <laughs> it was just a wild three tweets in order. It was uh, it was yeah. it was something that was pretty fun for. Uh, yeah, quite the response. Yeah, quite the response on Twitter. Right? I uh, avoided putting it on the site, but yeah, I think he I think he got enough uh, pushback. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. You know, yeah. So, there you go. Hey, the bye the weeks this week. Before we get out of here, yeah, give people some things to do while they're on their bye week this week. Things you might be putting off that you that you should be getting done. Go outside, go hiking, enjoy the great outdoors, play with your kids, um, you go out and take your wife out somewhere, you know, to clean, clean that, anything. I mean, yeah, you know, you make uh, make use of what well, you got on the next two Sundays. Yeah, as they come back and play on Monday night, right? 
It's been a weird Eagles. It's been a weird Eagles schedule, man. Like a lot of night night games. A lot of like uh, there's a Thursday and two month and two Mondays. Yeah. So um, is there a perfect game? Like is four twenty five perfect, or is one o'clock perfect? Or I guess if whatever age you are, like I used to think eight thirty was perfect. I used to think four twenty five was perfect. Now I guess as I get older, I want more one o'clock. Eight thirty for me because I can get the kids down and pull the laptop up. You know. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't think about that. You know, it's I, funny I, how you just go through distraction. Yeah. yeah. Go through different generations and you're like, hey, at, at this time when I was in my twenties, I hated one o'clock games. So I was hungover, could never get down to the tailgate in time, loved 8 30 games so I could party all day. Then you get up here and you're like, Holy shit, it's eleven thirty at night. And I well, really don't feel like doing this. <laughs> it's funny because Sarah uh you know, like takes the girls while uh the games are on, so I can focus on typing, right? And she brought the girls down into the basement with about a, when there was like a minute left in the game on Sunday, thinking that it was like, you know, it's okay. This one's pretty much, we're at the end of it right here. And, you know, I'm like saying, Hey, Cammy, you know, go run over there and play with your sister. And then like they, they all the penalties started to happen. I'm like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Take these two back upstairs. Now, cause this, game, this game ain't over, man. Like uh, I need to yeah. concentrate on what the hell's going on. I think yeah, this could be an all time meltdown. I really don't want to take it out on my children. So please yeah. take them back upstairs. Yeah, I cannot I'm focus not. on a single damn thing right now while my kid is jumping, like has her hands around my neck, you know, so the game is not over yet, Cam. I'll be right. I'll be right there. Yeah, go fire up some bluey. Hey, if, if, yeah. if, if you're like me and uh, you might just have no kids, but you are with either a girlfriend or you live together with somebody else. Go get the tree this week. That's one thing. The Christmas tree. Go oh. get the Christmas tree. Because right. guess what? You're not going to want to do it in week 13. Maybe hang the lights up if you got your own place. Because mm. you're not going to want to do it in week 13. All right? I promise you that. Um, you're yeah. not even going to want to do it next Sunday. So take the load off. Like Kev said, just do things you've been putting off. And get the tree. Go get a tree. I don't like trees before Thanksgiving. But you know what? This is the gift we've been handed by the scheduling gods, get the tree. We got the plastic tree, so we just dig it out of the basement and set it up. I think a lot of people have the plastic tree now, but if you're not a plastic tree person, you still believe in... Uh, yeah. believe like Clark, in, uh, Clark Griswold and driving out and mm-hmm. putting it on top of your roof or whatever. Yeah, if you still believe in tradition and you still and you have a four-bedroom or a five-bedroom, two-story house and you know and you go all out for Christmas, it doesn't turn the lights on. I'm not saying turn the lights on. I'm not saying turn the tree on. I'm just saying, you know, maybe hang a couple... Couple lights, maybe, maybe go get the tray. Maybe at least pick out the tray. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy for thinking this, but I know if I was in this situation, I wouldn't want to do it in in, uh, in week thirteen. Absolutely not. So big union game tonight, Pagans. I'm going to go meet the gambler guys at the uh, PJ Wellahans in Hatfield. It's where the official the official watch party is happening tonight, right up the street from me. I think I should probably test negative for COVID though first, right? Would that be? Uh, you do seem a little stuffed. Yeah. Would that be re- Would that be irresponsible and reckless if I uh, showed up for the union watch party and I, I hadn't tested negative? If I hadn't cleared protocol yet? It all depends on what you think of yourself as a super spreader, but um, maybe you're maybe infecting them early is good. Before. I just get it out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Like inevitably yeah. you guys are going to get sick. So just, mm-hmm. just do it now. Mm-hmm. And then we'll come out of this in week 13. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Don't get the tree. Don't hang the lights. Get COVID. Get COVID. You get got COVID. Two weeks week. <laughs> we'll do like what Sweden tried to do. And we'll do herd immunity. Yeah. Get herd immunity. Yeah, this I like is that. herd immunity weekend. If I've ever seen one. everybody yeah. cough in each other's mouth this weekend. Okay. Do it for the good of the, uh, 
of the Eagle season and the Sixer season and 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 hot stove. Uh, We're all getting creating. COVID together. We're having a yeah. COVID party. Yeah. yeah, all of Philadelphia and the Philadelphia area should should uh, should get herd immunity. Remind me one time, too, to tell the story on this podcast about how we ended up in the house that we have now because it was a COVID fucking disaster with the previous owners. And it's kind of a funny story about how. Yeah, well, I mean, you're sick every other day. So next time you get COVID, we'll uh, we'll tell the story. It's hard to tell what comes from. uh, It's hard to tell what's just like, you know, COVID versus the kids coming home with the daycare funk. You know, I just want people to know that I'm not making this shit up. Like I'm not a hypochondriac or whatever. Like when Ford's making the joke about my sinuses. Like I am really fucking sick. I'm not just like, well, you know, I'm not feeling like it's like, I, yes, it actually is. Yeah. And oh, I will yeah. not be hanging my wall art this weekend. So I, <laughs> these, these rules don't yeah. apply to me. Um, I will be enjoying red zone and uh, will not be hanging my wall art. Uh, right now, if, if you haven't learned, if you tell me to do something, I will not do it. So, you know, that's uh, that, that goes out to the chat. Um, all right. Hey, listen, thank you for, uh, for listening. Thank you. Uh, for Charlie for coming on. Thank you to Kate Alexis for coming on and talking about the hockey rink. Um, and you have a great 